1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show Podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend producing Sam Maupin engineering today's program. We had anticipated a conversation with Dr. Greg Jans, social media and depression. How to be healthy and happy in the digital age, but he had a flight canceled or delayed or something like that and wasn't able to join us, so I apologize for that, but we will be rescheduling that conversation. We will hear from Stephen Mosier. He is the author of Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. That will be coming up in the second hour of today's program. We'll also remember John Chow on the Day of the Christian Martyr. He's going to be recognized by the voice of the martyrs, we'll remind you of his story, and Tell you why it matters. That's also in the second hour of today's program. But first, to some of the headlines revealing President Biden's cheat sheet. The president accidentally revealed a cue card telling him how to act in public: sit now, stand then. In a no-brainer. Journalists hyping the president's gas tax holiday now say the president can affect prices, putting it in the uh, at the top of the agenda. Republicans are calling for President Biden to push Mexico's president to combat fentanyl smuggling, and under the progressive pressure, the administration is canceling six billion dollars in student loan debt for two hundred thousand borrowers. You'll be paying that, by the way. Uh, ignore the court enraged ex MSNBC host. Keith Olbermann he demands the Supreme Court be abolished after giving gun owners a major win. He's probably apoplectic after the decision to overturn Roe as well, saying there's nothing inherently sexual about it. The Washington Post columnist defended drag story hour for kids. A former Obama economist warns the 1970s-style stagflation threat level is highest in a long time. The FBI has ordered Juul e-cigarettes be removed from circulation. The Associated Press reports that federal health officials on Thursday ordered Juul to pull its electronic cigarettes from the U.S. market. The latest blow to the embattled company widely blamed for sparking a national surge in teen vaping. The action is part of a sweeping effort by the Food and Drug Administration to bring scientific scrutiny to the multi-billion-dollar vaping industry after years of regulatory delays. The FDA said Juul must stop selling its vaping device and its tobacco and menthol-flavored cartridges. Those already on the market must be removed. Consumers aren't restricted from having or using Juul products, the agency said. To stay on the market, companies must show that their e-cigarette benefit public health. In practice, that means proving that adult smokers who use them are likely to quit or reduce their smoking, while teens are likely to get hooked on them. Senator Ted Cruz and John Barrasso introduced legislation hardening schools against violent assault. The Daily Wire reports that Senator Ted Cruz and John Barrasso, both Republicans from Texas and Wyoming, respectively, introduced a bill on Wednesday that would dedicate more than $38 billion to increase school and community safety, including doubling the number of school resource officers nationwide. The Safe Kids, Safe Schools, Safe Communities Act of 2022 will be funded with unspent American Rescue Plan funds, according to the proposed legislation. In other news, the Biden administration is proposing extending Title IX to include trans protections. The Washington Post reported that on the 50th anniversary of Title IX, the administration proposed sweeping changes to the landmark law that would bar schools, colleges and universities from discriminating against transgender students, a move that comes as the battle over transgender rights moves to the front lines of the culture war. The proposal would extend the protections of Title IX, which prohibits schools from uh, that get federal funds from discriminating on the basis of sex to transgender students, compelling schools to accommodate and protect them. Well, this includes permitting them to use bathrooms that align with their gender identity using their correct pronouns or their chosen pronouns and addressing bullying based on their gender identity. It would also amend the rules that govern how schools, colleges and universities investigate and resolve claims of sexual assault and sexual harassment. Josh Hawley weighs in saying amazing the Biden administration's new rules today on Title IX denies there are such things as women and men. The administration is erasing gender and women from the statute designed to protect them. The Biden administration admits dismantling U.S. energy is to accelerate the transition. And I would add the transition we are far from being prepared for, perhaps one day, but not today. Wall Street Journal reports that on his first day in office, Mr. Biden canceled the Keystone XL pipeline, halted new leases in Alaskan Arctic um, National Wildlife Refuge. A week later, he banned new oil and gas leases on federal lands and waters. And in June, he shut down exploration on existing leases in Anwar, in October, he increased the regulatory burdens on building pipelines and other infrastructure. This February, he limited leasing in Alaska's National Petroleum Reserve. At every turn, Team Biden has worked to restrict and reduce domestic oil and gas production. Team Biden got what it wanted. Daily U.S. oil production dropped From 12.29 million barrels in 2019 to an estimated 11.85 million in 2022, well after demand had rebounded from the pandemic. Mr. Biden blames Vladimir Putin, but prices rose quite a bit before Russia invaded Ukraine. In January of 21, the average price of regular gasoline was $2.33 a gallon. By February of this year, it was $3.52. As of May, the average price was $4.44, so 56% of that price rise um, predated the invasion the RNC research weighed in saying since day one, the president has tried to limit fossil fuel supplies and we're all paying for it. Don't you dispute or do you dispute? Top Biden Energy Advisor Amos Hotstein laughs, then admits they're working to accelerate the transition. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show coming up later this hour. We're going to give away a pair of tickets to the largest Northwest garage Soul sale and um, vintage um, sale. That's coming up this Saturday. We have an early bird admission. So we'll give that away at the end of our next segment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice show.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice show. Well, Europe has entered an energy crisis with Russia turning off the supply. Their biggest economy is now officially running short of natural gas and is escalating a crisis plan to preserve supplies as Russia turns off the taps. Germany on last Thursday activated the second phase of its three-stage gas emergency program, taking it one step closer to rationing supplies to industry, a step that would deliver a huge blow to the manufacturing heart of its economy. Germany's economy minister, Robert Habeck said he hoped rationing wouldn't be necessary to get through the coming winter, but couldn't rule it out. Gas is from now on in short supply in Germany, he told reporters at a press conference in Berlin. Even if you don't feel it yet, we are in a gas crisis amazon is creating an alexa capable of replicating real voices of people alive or dead wall street Journal reports that amazon.com inc is developing a voice mimicking feature for its virtual assistant alexa that replicates the speech of people alive and dead joining other companies that are experimenting with creating digital memories of people after death rohit prasad a uh, head of scientists at uh, of Alexa showed a video clip of the new feature in action at Amazon's Mars 22 conference on artificial intelligence on Wednesday. The clip showed a boy asking Alexa to read to him, the wizard of Oz and the voice of his grandmother. Alexa then switched from its default voice to a softer voice. Mr. Prasad said Alexa is able to mimic voices after accessing less than a minute of recorded audio of a voice. While AI can't eliminate the pain of loss, it can definitely make the memories last, quote. An Amazon spokesman declined to say when the new feature will be rolled out to consumers. I'm not sure I like the idea of a machine mimicking the voice of a deceased loved one. Anyway, it read, you take your seat. A very specific cheat sheet reminds President Biden how to uh, behave under certain circumstances. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, suggested justices be impeached for lying under oath during confirmation hearings. The representative claimed without evidence on Sunday that some U.S. Supreme Court justices who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade lied under oath during their confirmation hearings, which she said is an impeachable offense. Of course, justices never say how they will vote, even on a precedent, even though they do acknowledge they will Regard a precedent as long as it stands. The Iran nuclear deal talks will soon resume. The Wall Street Journal reports the negotiations are on restoring the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal will resume again in the coming days, the European Union's foreign policy chief said on Saturday during a trip to Tehran, although the prospects of reaching a deal remained far from certain. The negotiations have been stuck for the past three and a half months with a deal blocked by a dispute, Over the scope of lifting U.S. sanctions on Iran, the talks are aimed at agreeing on the steps needed for Iran and the U.S. to come back into compliance with the 2015 agreement, which fell far short of what was needed. It removed most international sanctions on Iran in exchange for... A tight but temporary restrictions on Iran's nuclear program, simply postponing the inevitable. Meanwhile, the administration is facing rising opposition to restoring the nuclear deal in Congress, including from some Democrats. That's turned many diplomats involved in the talks pessimistic about the odds of breaking the stalemate. Vladimir Putin plans to supply its ally Belarus with nuclear capable missiles. The BBC reports that Russia will send nuclear capable short range missile systems to its ally Belarus in the coming months. That's what uh, President Vladimir Putin has said. He said uh, the systems can fire ballistic and cruise missiles, both conventional and nuclear types. The systems have a range of up to 500 kilograms or 310 miles. Uh, Mr Putin has made several references to nuclear weapons since then which some have interpreted as a warning to western countries not to intervene. Speaking in St Petersburg, Mr Putin also said Russia would help to modify Belarusian SR-25 warplanes so that they could carry nuclear weapons in response to a query uh, a query rather from uh, one of their representatives. Russia has sent uh, missiles into the capital city of Kyiv the Associated Press uh, reports that Russian Russia shattered weeks of relative calm in the Ukrainian capital with long-range missiles fired toward Kiev early Sunday, an apparent Kremlin show of force as Western leaders meet in Europe to strengthen their military and economic support of Ukraine. Kiev Mayor. Um, said that the missiles hit at least two residential buildings and killed one person, injuring six others, including a seven-year-old girl and her mother. Associated Press journalists saw emergency workers battling flames and rescuing civilians from buildings. The strikes also damaged a nearby kindergarten where a crater pocked the the uh, courtyard. U.S. President Joe Biden called the attack barbarian after the he arrived in Germany for a Group 7 uh, summit. The G7 summit announced a ban on Russian gold. President Biden and his counterparts in the group of seven nations are announcing a ban on new imports of Russian gold in an attempt to further isolate the country from financial markets and punish Russian President Putin for the invasion of Ukraine. The ban on gold imports, which could amount to a penalty of tens of billions of dollars, appeared to be the primary new economic sanction to be imposed on Russia out of the summit. Administration officials declined to comment on whether other punitive uh, steps would be taken or even considered. President Biden announced a $200 billion partnership with G7 and European Union countries for global infrastructure and investment. NBC reported that President Biden outlined plans Sunday for a range of global infrastructure projects the U.S. aims to help finance with $200 billion in government and private sector funding as it looks to counter similar efforts by China. The president announced the efforts at the G7 summit in Germany, where he's been meeting with world leaders. The funding will be spread over five years and come from a mix of existing federal funds over other G7 and European Union countries and private companies and investment funds, according to a senior administration official. President Biden on Twitter said, tune in as I deliver remarks with other G7 leaders to formally launch our partnership for global infrastructure and investment, an effort that is critical to our economic and national security. The Wall Street Journal weighing in said the announcement came on the first day of the G7 summit where the agenda was dominated by Russia's war against Ukraine. <coughs> Excuse me. The Supreme Court of the United States Dobbs' decision has gained appreciation as a masterpiece of judicial craft. So writes Public uh, Discourse, let me get a little liquid on my throat. They write that the Alito majority opinion is a masterpiece of judicial craft, uniting and bridging small differences among the court's five solid judicial conservatives. It works to an extent within existing judicial doctrine, powerfully and overwhelmingly refuting Rose and Casey's holdings, establishing a right to abortion, even if one to accept the premise of the dubious doctrine of substantive uh, due process. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Well, according to a new report, Republicans have um, gained over one million new party members. Of course, Democrats have as well, and it may be a dubious increase. A political shift is beginning to take hold across the U.S. as tens of thousands of suburban swing voters who helped fuel the Democratic Party's gains in recent years are becoming Republicans. More than a million voters across 43 states have switched to the Republican Party over the last year, according to voter registration data analyzed by the Associated Press. The previously unreported number reflects a phenomenon that's playing out in virtually every region in the country. Democratic and Republican states, along with cities and small towns in the period since President Biden replaced former President Trump. But nowhere in the shift is it more pronounced and dangerous for Democrats than in the suburbs, where well-educated swing voters who turned against Trump's Republican Party in recent years appear to be swinging back. Over the last year, far more people are switching to the GOP across suburban counties, from Denver to Atlanta and Pittsburgh to Cleveland. Now, some are suggesting that these may be uh, party switches in order to undermine the success of more um, mainstream Republicans in favor of more radical uh, Republicans. So that figure may be somewhat questionable. California plans to dole out free money to residents as part of their gas tax rebate. The plan will increase reliance on government and inevitably increase price of uh, gas as well. After weeks of negotiations, the governor, Newsom, and Democratic leaders in the legislature have finally agreed to a deal on the gas rebates Newsom had first promised in March of of this year. Under the plan, single filers would, uh, may, who make less than $75,000 a year will receive $350, and joint filers with a combined yearly income of 150000 will receive $700. And flyers have one dependent or rather filers have one dependent or more. They get an additional three hundred and fifty dollars and it goes on from there. The statewide average price for a gallon of regular unleaded gasoline in California hit an all time high of six dollars and forty four cents last week. The average price was six dollars and thirty five cents per gallon on Friday compared to the national average of four dollars and ninety three cents. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We didn't give away our uh, garage sale tickets. We'll do that at the start of our next segment, so stay with us.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Hey, you may have seen it on KPDQ, the website, but now we're going to give away a pair of early admission tickets to the Northwest Largest Garage and Vintage Sale this Saturday. If you love a bargain, you won't want to miss this. uh Well, the largest in the Northwest Garage and Vintage Sale. It's happening saturday the second of july at the clark county fairgrounds the sale runs from 8 a.m to 4 p.m with early bird entry at 7 a.m and we want to make sure you have one of those um, early bird entries to win a pair we're going to give away a pair right now but you can also go to kpdq.com and uh, you can win some tickets there as well we want to give this away to caller number two 800-845-2162 800-845-2162 caller number two Early admission to the Northwest largest garage and vintage sale coming up this Saturday at the Clark County Fairgrounds. And once again, you can also win passes at KPDQ dot com. So check that out. Well, a New York court struck down a law permitting illegal aliens to vote in local elections. Uh, The New York judge ruled on Monday that the new New York extension of voting rights to non-U.S. citizens violated the New York Constitution, the state's election law and the municipal home rule law, rendering another attempt to undermine elections uh, null and void. A bill creating the new class of non-citizen voters potentially numbering in the As many as 900,000 new voters in New York City municipal elections was passed by the New York City Council in December of last year, but not vetoed or signed by the former mayor, Bill de Blasio. After 30 days without action from the uh, then mayor, the bill was considered adopted under the council's rules that has now been officially undone. Progressives resorted to racial slurs toward uh, Justice Thomas in response to the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Newsweek reports that there's been another deeply unfortunate development, too the vehement racism shown toward the Supreme Court Justice. Thomas wasn't the author of the ruling, Justice Samuel Alito was, but Justice Thomas has been singled out on social media by progressives deliberately using some of the most vile racist language. So racism is acceptable under certain circumstances, it would appear. You better hope that they don't come to you, Clarence, uh, referring to the the Supreme Court justice. That's a quote from Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, Anthony Bradley says, I've been really shocked by the number of progressives calling Clarence Thomas the N-word because of his stance on abortion. And again, he wasn't the author of that uh, decision. New York prosecutors have resigned under the non prosecutorial district attorney. Hundreds of prosecutors in the city are quitting the district attorney's office with controversial criminal justice reforms. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's uh, office this year has hemorrhaged 65 assistant district attorneys, which is about 12% of the staff. Greg released a memo on his third day in office ordering prosecutors not to seek prison sentences for a number of crimes and to downgrade charges, including for robberies and commercial burglaries. Russian rockets hit a civilian-filled shopping mall. The death toll is still being assessed. There was a massive fentanyl bust in California. Lives will be saved as a result. ABC reports a traffic stop led to a major drug bust Friday night the uh, Tallulah County High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Unit was called out and they found 150,000 fentanyl pills in the vehicle. Investigators say the street value was $750,000. Very, very significant. President Biden is at the NATO summit this week. He's headed to or is now in Madrid, Spain this week for the NATO summit with significant issues facing the alliance. Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine served as Uh, The wake-up call for some of the nations to the fact that the old Russian threat is far from gone despite the fall of the Soviet Union. National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby noted that the president is going into a NATO summit where the alliance has truly never been more unified. It's funny how a common foe flexing its muscles has a way of drawing allies closer together. Due to the war in Ukraine, Finland and Sweden, two countries that have historically been uh, excluded from, uh, uh, from NATO, are now being welcomed in. The January 6th committee held an unscheduled hearing claiming new evidence. The Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade effectively knocked Nancy Pelosi's J6 investigation uh, off the mainstream media front page. Ergo, in an effort to regain her place on the uh, on the stage, the committee announced on Monday a sudden unplanned hearing citing new evidence related to the Capitol riot. However, some of the claims that have been made are now being called into question. They were secondhand accounts. And again, some questions are being raised. I'm looking for my notes on uh, more specifics on that. In one case, um, uh, A source close to the former Trump deputy chief of staff for operations, Tony Ornato, says he didn't brief this January 6th committee witness, Cassidy Hutchinson, as she said he had on one of the major allegations she made to the committee on Tuesday. Hutchinson, a former top aide to White House chief of staff, Mark Meadows, testified to lawmakers Tuesday that Ornato, the woman who made the allegations secondhand, told her former President Donald Trump repeatedly demanded that the Secret Service take him to the Capitol on January 6th. Ornato further told Hutchinson, according to her, that Trump lunged at Secret Service agents and tried to grab the wheel of a presidential SUV when agents uh, would not allow that. However, a source close to Ornato said that um, he watched the hearing and was shocked when Cassidy, the person testifying, made the allegations about the steering wheel. Both Bobby Engel and top uh, agent on uh, Trump's Secret Service detail, who was in the car and Ornato, who was not in the car, testified to the January 6th committee in private over the past year. The source close to Ornato said Engel and Ornato never brought up part um, uh, the steering wheel issue, according to that source, but want to testify on the record again and refute that part about Trump grabbing or trying to grab the wheel and choking the driver. The driver of the F- SUV who was unnamed will also cooperate with the committee. Secret Service agents are reportedly prepared to testify that then President Donald Trump did not reach for the steering wheel uh, in his limousine following the rally on January 6th. And the vehicle he was said to have been in by the person giving testimony uh, was not the vehicle that he had been in. So there's some question about her credibility and the secondhand account on at least those details of her testimony. The New York Supreme Court rebuked New York City over its non citizen voting, and that has now fallen and our wake our woke speech suppressing navy is having apparently fully embraced the radical gender ideology. The U.S. Navy recently updated its harassment policy to include the crime of misgendering, otherwise known as using accurate pronouns to describe an individual's biological sex rather than his or her expressed gender identity. Under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, sailors who intentionally misgender sailors and who defines intentionally will be subject to discipline, intentional misuse of transgender service member pronouns is inappropriate and inconsistent with the Navy's zero-tolerance policy on harassment, the Navy Captain Dave Hecht said in the public affairs, uh, who is the public affairs officer. The UCMJ prohibits provoking speeches or gestures, conduct that is of a nature to bring discredit upon the armed force, or is prejudiced to good order and discipline. President Biden still opposes expanding the Supreme Court despite the Dobbs ruling. And Twitter is just fine with calls to assassinate Clarence Thomas. The justices' home addresses are being blasted on social media with zero consequence. Until, well, just yesterday when they were... Removed. More than one million voters switched to the GOP in a warning for Dems, but not all of those party switchers have pure intentions. Democrats are voting in GOP primaries to elect radicals in the primaries who can be defeated in the general election. Bring transparency and truth back to government. Government transparency dimmed under the administration, a watchdog group reports on President Joe Biden's first day in office. Then White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki promised that his objective and his commitment is to bring transparency and truth back to government. But federal government watchdogs have found the administration significantly lacking in that commitment. The director of uh, Protect the Public Trust, Michael Cumberland, uh, told the John Solomon Reports podcast on Wednesday that the Department of Energy has been slow to provide records in response to the organization's Freedom of Information Act. And it is a, a practice that has been consistent. We're going to take a break here in just a moment, but we will be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, Stephen Mosier, author of "Bully of Asia: Why China's Dream of the New Treat uh, is a New Threat Rather to World Order." Well, a shale booster shot, refracts as they're calling it, rises cheap way to uh, lift U.S. oil output. The U.S. shale oil producers are returning to existing wells and giving them a second high pressure blast to lift output for a, a fraction of the cost of a finishing. Um, well, or finished well for these refrax, um They're taking hold as shale oil producers look to uh, take advantage of $100 a barrel crude without making big investments in new wells and fields. An adult man beat a teenage girl to win the women's skateboarding contest. And Elizabeth Warren suggests putting abortion clinics in national parks. Louisiana judge temporarily blocked the trigger law banning most abortions there, and a judge temporarily blocked Utah's abortion ban as well. In party politics, conservative state senator Darren Bailey's convincing victory in Illinois' Republican gubernatorial primary is a pretty big win to former. President Donald Trump, and for Democrats as well. The former president endorsed Bailey on Saturday as he headlined a large rally in Illinois. Bailey's victory gives Trump some bragging rights after the former president suffered setbacks in other high-profile Republican gubernatorial showdowns this primary season. But Bailey's nomination is also a win for Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker and the Democratic Governors Association, who combined spent tens of millions of dollars to boost Bailey over moderate Republican mayor Richard Irvin in Aurora, the city of metropolitan Chicago. Democrats viewed Bailey as the weaker general election candidate in November compared to Irvin who was helped by tens of millions in support from billionaire conservative Ken Griffith, the CEO of Citadel and the multinational hedge fund and financial services behemoth claiming the justices want a theocracy The View hosts slammed the Supreme Court's decision on the praying football coach. Calling him part of the hardcore authoritarian right, MSNBC column smeared Tesla CEO Elon Musk over his political leanings, or at least his most recent. Musk has historically voted Democrat until a recent governor's primary vote. Affirming an incoming recession, the final revision of first quarter GDP on Wednesday is expected to confirm a larger contraction of the economy than believed. The New York Times, uh, the New York Post rather, predicts Republican gubernatorial races in Illinois and New York will be tough yet winnable. The Post says Illinois Democrats got the opponent they wanted for the incumbent Pritzker governor as the state um, senator Darren Bailey clenched the GOP gubernatorial primary. And Oklahoma Democrats are headed to a runoff for GOP James Langford's seat while Republican Mike Lee of Utah seeks his third term. Amazon employees are demanding the company stop doing business in pro-life states and demand time off in the wake of the ruling on Roe v.ersus Wade. Well, the employees of all genders are requesting time off to mourn the end of Roe v. Wade and demanding that the company cease operations in pro-life states. The e-commerce giant said last month that it would cover as much as $4,000 in expenses for employees traveling across the state lines to procure an abortion. In the scoop, hundreds of Amazon employees signed an open letter to Amazon leadership demanding they cease doing business in these states and get time off. Pro-life centers and churches are still under attack from pro-abortion terror groups. The Catholic Vote reports that more than 30 pregnancy resource centers and offices of pro-life groups have been attacked since the draft Supreme Court opinion overturning Roe v. Wade was leaked back in May. Pro-abortion domestic terrorists have claimed responsibility and are promising more attacks in the summer of rage. The pregnancy resource centers, which provide free medical and financial support to pregnant and new mothers, have been spray-painted with pro-abortion and anarchist messages and symbols, firebombed and otherwise... Uh, destroyed other pro-life groups which advocate for a right to life have also had their offices vandalized the attacks appear to be organized under the umbrella of two domestic terror groups jane's revenge and ruth sent us which have risen since the supreme court opinion leak in may many of the attacks have similar messages including if abortions aren't safe neither are you and no reports here in portland Uh, that the mom-child PDX center was vandalized and smashed up by uh, Antifa at the riot overnight. The center provides free services to expecting and single parents facing housing and refugee issues, domestic violence and poverty. Antifa's view them as the enemy. It says an awful lot. Turkey agrees to welcome Finland and Sweden into NATO. The Turkish president Erdogan has agreed Tuesday to lift his objection to Sweden and Finland's joining NATO And that will move forward, just the opposite of what Vladimir Putin had hoped to achieve. A top aide to Mark Meadows testified former President Trump wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th. The Wall Street Journal says that Cassidy Hutchinson, a one-time top aide at the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, testified that former President Donald Trump was warned that members of the crowd attending the rally on January 6th were heavily armed and still directed them to march toward the Capitol. The 25-year-old former White House aide, whose Credibility has been called into question because of other statements. Also said she was told Mr. Trump insisted on going to the Capitol with his supporters, even as officials ultimately successfully tried to stop him. We're hoping that testimony, either affirming or uh, rejecting her testimony, will be forthcoming. Delane Maxwell has been sentenced to 20 years for her role in the Jeffrey Epstein trafficking ring. And the majority of Americans say gender is assigned at birth and athletes should compete on the basis of their biological sex. That's according to a Pew Research poll. Roughly 8 in 10 U.S. adults say there is at least some discrimination against transgender people in our society, and a majority favor laws that would protect transgender individuals from discrimination in jobs, housing, and public spaces. At the same time, 60% say a person's gender is determined by their sex assigned at birth, up from 56% in 2021 and 54% in 2017. A new bill aims to protect minors from gender experimentation. Republican lawmakers recently introduced a bill that would hold doctors and medical practitioners liable for performing life-altering gender transition procedures on minors. The legislation introduced by Senator Tom Cotton and Representative Jim Banks in their respective chambers is titled the Protecting Minors from Medical Malpractice Act. It would allow individuals to sue doctors for any physical, physiological, emotional, or psychological harms due to any gender transition procedure related to treatment or after effects. Cotton contends that minors are not in a position to provide informed consent for such permanently life-altering procedures, and therefore, any doctor who performs these irresponsible procedures on kids should pay. In the wake of the fall of Roe, there is a growing problem with pharmaceutical abortions. According to the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute, 54 percent of abortions, all abortions in 2020 were done using the so-called abortion pill, which was the first time in U.S. history that medication was responsible for over half of abortions. With the U.S. Supreme Court's recent overturn of Roe, the issue surrounding the legality of abortion will be decided by each individual state. And the White House has shut down the push for abortion clinics at national parks. Speaker Pelosi received communion in the Vatican, despite her abortion stance and recent ban. The speaker's home archbishop has said she's no longer allowed to receive communion due to her stance on abortion. Speaker Pelosi met with the pope on Wednesday and received communion there during a papal mass at St. Peter's Basilica, despite her position in support of abortion rights. And what is expected to be... A bad 4th of July travel disaster, mass flight cancellations and delays are expected. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm violated federal law by using her office to promote Democrat politicians. And California's AG leaked the names and addresses of gun owners in the state. John Hinckley Jr. apologized for nearly killing President Reagan. He is now a free man. On this day in history, 1864, the Colorado militia kills at least 115 Cheyenne Indians and in the Sand Creek Massacre. 1890, the first Army-Navy football game is played at West Point, New, uh, New York. Navy defeats Army two, uh, 24 to 0. 1929, Navy Lieutenant Commander Richard Byrd, Pilot Burnt Balchen, radio operator Harold June, and photographer Ashley McKinney make the first airplane flight over the South Pole. Sixty-one, Enos the Chimp is launched from Cape Canaveral aboard the Mercury Atlas V spacecraft, which would orbit Earth twice before returning. 1963, President Johnson named a commission headed by Earl Warren to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. 1972, the coin-operated video arcade game Pong, created by Atari, makes its debut at um, Andy Cap's Tavern in Sunnyvale, California. All of these in 2017, North Korea says it has launched a new type of intercontinental ballistic missile that some observers believe could put the entire U.S. East Coast within range. Also, today's show a host, Matt Lauer, is fired for inappropriate de- uh, behavior. Garrison Keeler, who'd entertained public radio listeners for 40 years on a Prairie Home Companion, is fired by a Minnesota public radio following allegations of inappropriate workplace behavior as well. And finally, 2017, the House approves a measure requiring annual anti-harassment training for lawmakers and aides. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, news and traffic, up next.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. I have to tell you, I've been looking forward to the conversation I'm about to have with Stephen Mosier for quite some time. He is the author of a book titled Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. He wrote it many years ago. It's now been updated and very timely. Uh, in uh, in that update. And we're going to talk about that book in light of some of the issues that we're aware of now that we're in the year 2022. Well, in 2017, uh, my guest, China expert and author Stephen Mosier, he warned us about the rising threat of Chinese totalitarianism around the world, particularly through their influence in North Korea. Well, years have passed. Can we say that the United States has heeded his advice? Well, in the eye-opening updated version of his book, and if you have the first edition, you need to get the second, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. He exposes China as a world-class manipulator and a major threat to the world order. After Communist Party threats, human rights violations, and a worldwide pandemic from the COVID-19 virus leak, why enable China with economic advance? Well, it's a good question, and we'll cover that and much, much more. Well, once again, my uh, guest, Stephen Mosier, is president of Population Research Institute as a leading authority on China. He's the author of numerous books, including Journey to the Forbidden China, A Mother's Ordeal, One Woman's Fight Against China's One Child Policy, Population Control, Real Costs, Illusory Benefits, Broken Earth, The Rural Chinese, and he frequently appears on a number of national programs, including Good Morning America, 60 Minutes, CNN News, and much more he publishes in the New Republic, National Review and the Wall Street Journal and I'm just thrilled to have uh, Stephen Mosher join us here today. Welcome.
3: It's good to be here.
2: It's been uh, many years but I've been a fan for as many years so I'm uh, thrilled to have you with us. You have updated uh, your book Bully of Asia. Why update and what will we learn that we perhaps didn't either know or learn in the first edition?
3: Well, a couple of things have happened in the last few couple years. A couple of things, uh, yeah. <laughs> <China>. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and one of them is that China, of course, released a deadly uh, pandemic on the world, created a pandemic, created a virus in a lab and uh, in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. I wrote about this back in early February of uh, 2020, Georgina. I was among the first to say this has uh, the People's Liberation Army Bioweapons Program Fingerprints all over it because it does. It's clearly genetically engineered. Although, uh, dear Dr. Anthony Fauci didn't want to say so because he was funding the research and actually taught the Chinese researchers how to do uh, this kind of gene sequencing through his exchange programs. So, um, so we we had the truth hidden from us for a long time. But uh, China has forced itself onto our consciousness in the last two years. Uh, People who probably in the past haven't given a thought uh, to what's going on in the minds of the leaders in Beijing. Uh, maybe post-COVID, uh, they realize that China is a threat. Certainly, the polls show that that that, that uh, attitudes towards China have hardened significantly over the last two years, and and most of the major nations now, 80 percent, sometimes as much as 90 percent of the population views China as a threat, which it is.
2: One of the things you uh, you write about are the seven political perils the Chinese must resolutely guard against. I think sometimes we reduce the conflict between the United States and China just to competition for, uh, you know, place number one on the world stage. It goes much deeper than it. There are serious reasons why we ought to be concerned about the rise of China. And the title of your book, Bully of Asia, really fits the, the, the uh uh, the danger that we face. Can you talk about these political perils that beginning with constitutional democracy that they must resolutely guard against that gives us a glimpse into their worldview and mindset?
3: Well, here's, here's what people need to understand about China. China, under the, the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party, does not want to be just one nation among many. It doesn't want to join the existing world order. It doesn't want to accept, accept the existing laws, uh, the existing covenants. Uh, It wants to create a new world order centered around Beijing, and it would be a fundamentally different world that we would then live in. And back in 2013, when the latest Chinese emperor, the new red emperor, Xi Jinping, took power in Beijing, the Chinese Communist Party immediately put out a secret directive, which warned of the seven perils to continued Communist Party rules. We could call them the seven dangers, the seven threats. And two of those threats very interesting are the an accurate accounting of the history and ideology of the Chinese Communist Party. Think about that. They regard an accurate description of how they seized power and how they killed tens of millions of their fellow citizens, uh, and how they defrauded the Chinese people in thinking that they were simply going to rule temporarily on the on the as a vanguard of the proletariat and then they were going to fade away as communists always Uh, deceive people into thinking. Uh, Those are threats to their continued rule. So you can't talk honestly about their history. And the other five threats are a description of the United States. They say the threats are things like the rule of law. Uh, You can't have the rule of law in a communist country because you have to enable communist officials to change the laws on a daily basis to benefit themselves and exploit the people. Another threat is civil society, including religious freedom. You can't have that in China, can you? Uh, Civil society stands between the individual and the state, and it protects the individual, right? The family, the church, mediating institutions, they're all supposed to go by the wayside, so there's nothing that protects the individual against the the machinations of the state. And and it goes on from there. So China views the world in a fundamentally different way than we do. It wants to fundamentally change the world. And that means not only knocking the United States off its perch as number one, it means destroying the United States as a competitor to this new world order.
2: Now, you, in 1979, had the opportunity to be the first American social scientists allowed to do research in the PRC. You documented the collapse of the commune system and, and uh, massive human rights abuses of the Mao years and, and much, much more. Are we suffering from a delusion, generally speaking, about the nature and goals of the People's Republic of China, uh, are our world leaders deceived into thinking that uh, they can just be another member on the world stage? We can embrace one another and move forward in harmony, uh, or is is it a delusion or a, a self deception? How would you describe the fact that, um, or explain the fact that China is about to host the uh, the Winter Olympic Games, for example?
3: Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's a delusion. I think Georgine they know perfectly well the kind of state that the the Chinese Communist Party has set up in China. And I think they know that uh, that same CCP, that same Communist Party has global ambitions. But they've been bought off. They've been outmaneuvered. Uh, I I saw um, recently a video of a senior Chinese Communist Party official saying, uh, we advance our goals by offering bags of money. And if one bag isn't enough, uh, we offer two bags or three bags. Well, that tells you everything that you need to know about the the, the natural appeal of the Chinese Communist Party, which is zero, they advance their cause by sex, drugs, and money. Everybody remembers uh, Fang Fang, right, who was, mm-hmm. uh, who was uh, Eric Swalwell's love interest for many years, and Eric Swalwell, of course, sits on the Intelligence Committee of the U.S. House of Representatives in the U.S. Congress even today. There are lots of Fang Fangs in the United States. There are lots of agents in the United States. Uh, Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, who uh, has not paid nearly enough attention to China as he should, did recently give a speech in which he talked about the fact that China is by far the biggest threat uh, in in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of cyber attacks, in terms of spying in terms of corrupting American officials. Of course, he talked about the corruption of American officials at the local and state level. I wonder why he didn't talk about the corruption of officials at the federal level, including the corruption of officials in this particular White House. I don't think Joe Biden has any delusions uh, illusions about China, but I know that his, uh, he and his family have profited mm-hmm. mightily from those bags of gold that have come across the Pacific.
2: Mm. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll continue my conversation with uh, Stephen Mosier. His uh, book that has now been re-released is definitely worth reading or rereading, whichever may be uh, the case. Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. It's been updated and uh, you'll find that very helpful in understanding um, the Chinese Communist Party. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in just a few moments.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm continuing my conversation with Stephen Mosier. He is president of Population Research Institute. He's a leading authority on China, and he has re-released a book that I think is a must-read if you want to understand the Chinese Communist Party, Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. Um, released uh, just recently, updated paperback edition, would highly encourage you to do that. Now, you were mentioning uh, the fact that uh, they wield influence uh, attached to purse strings, and we've seen purse strings, rather. We've seen many examples of that. Um, There was an article written recently about the New York Times uh, that's been accused of running Chinese propaganda, which is kind of a puff Mm -hmm. piece, um ahead of the olympic games as an example of you know how money apparently talks uh, even in the new york times and this was their um uh, their coverage of the uh, 2022 olympic games their beijing bureau that was made available um on uh, online as well here locally
3: oh absolutely uh, china over the last few years has tremendously increased its propaganda budget i'm not talking about just a billion here and a billionaire i'm talking about $10 billion, $20 billion has been spent to buy ads on radio stations, to buy ads in newspapers, and not just to buy ads, you know, which are clearly advertisements. They've actually bought radio stations in the United States and other countries. They've set up Confucius Institutes at American University campuses to propagate their, their false history and ideology of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they're moving forward on the ideological front very, very strongly. They think they have three magic weapons. In fact, this was a quote, three magic weapons from the new Red Emperor Xi Jinping himself, the head of both the Communist Party and the Communist military and the government in China. In China, they say very quietly uh, that he that all roads lead to Xi, that he is the chairman of everything, which he is because mm-hmm. he's an absolute dictator of the kind we haven't seen since Chairman Mao Zedong, who himself was one of the great mass murderers in human history. Xi Jinping says we have three magic weapons, propaganda, united front tactics and the people's liberation army well the people's liberation army deals in kinetic warfare but united front tactics involve setting up organizations false fronts or penetrating existing organizations and seizing control of them from within and then of course there's propaganda that we were talking about i mean there is a radio station near washington dc that beams in news and information about china Chinese propaganda if you will to our nation's capital to all of the people who work there who are elected to serve us, At, we have no radio station outside Beijing, Beijing broadcasting news and information about the, the, uh, and the excellence of democracy and human rights and the other things that we would like to, to educate the Chinese people on. Obviously, there's not uh, reciprocity there, is there? They can do a lot of what they want to do in this country, and we're completely shut out from their shores.
2: One former human rights activist in China who's now visiting a professor at the University of Chicago says the 2022 Winter Olympics will be remembered as the Genocide Games. Somehow that has been overlooked. And um, that article that I made reference to in the, The New York Times uh, sort of minimize that whole human rights aspect. What are your thoughts about the United States and other nations uh, participating in these Olympic Games, and is that an overstatement, that this is the genocide games, as uh, the the leaders in China have simply hidden away any uh, opponents uh, or those whose uh, views would not uh, be complimentary to the Chinese Communist Party?
3: Yeah, they've, they've swept the streets of Beijing clean of dissidents, for sure. But just on the genocide point, just for a minute, Uh, The Uyghurs in the far west, 12 million people who've lived in the far west of what is now China uh, for thousands of years, they speak Turkish, uh, mostly Muslim, but some Christians, uh, are being targeted for elimination. It is a slow-rolling genocide. The men have been locked up in prison camps, forced to produce goods for export to the United States. The women and small children are left alone at home, but not alone. uh, A policeman or a military officer is stationed with them. You can imagine what that means uh, when the sun goes down. Uh, the small children are sent to, uh, often sent to boarding schools and taught in Chinese, thus isolated and uh, insulated from their own language and culture. And the young people are, are sent in batches of a 100 uh, to factories along the east coast of China to produce goods for export. The factories, by the way, are, are compounds with walls and guards. Uh, they're not allowed out of the factory except for a couple hours under guard on Sunday afternoon. So that's what's being done for the Uyghurs. Uh, and the women, by the way, if they get pregnant, uh, they're often forcibly aborted and forcibly sterilized. So you've got Chinese Communist Party at desperate to get the birth rate among the Han Chinese up and, and equally determined to force the birth rate among the Uyghurs down. That meets the technical definition of genocide without a doubt. Uh, we should not be holding the Olympics in Beijing. I mean, they're holding our 200 athletes and the staff and the trainers have gone to Beijing uh, they are being forced to undergo a medical examination, a supposedly a COVID test every day. Now, I wouldn't want a Chinese uh, Communist Party doctor uh, doing doing anything uh, to me, uh, such as sticking a swab up my nose, or they've, they've moved to anal swabs, I think, yes. in Beijing now. Um, and because that's an opportunity to both uh, not just test for a disease, but actually spread a disease, it's also an opportunity to collect the DNA of our top, ranking athletes, and who knows what purpose they will put that DNA to. Um, I don't want our athletes to become sick, as some did in the World Military Games back in 2019, before the beginning of the Wuhan, the spread of the Wuhan virus. Um, we know that China, we know one thing for sure. We know the Chinese Communist Party lies uh, constantly. Uh, they lied in uh, when the SARS epidemic broke out in 2003. They hid it for as long as they could. Uh, they actually lied back in 1968 about the Hong Kong flu. That came from China, by the way. It originated in South China. They blamed it on Hong Kong. It wasn't from Hong Kong. And who knows what they're, what, they're, what what disease is spreading in China today or what disease might come back with our athletes with them.
2: Mm. My understanding is Vladimir Putin is expected to visit Beijing for the Friday of- Winter Olympics opening ceremonies, which at least tells people he's not going to invade Ukraine until he's back home again. He's also there for talks with the Chinese counterpart, Xi. Um, it, it casts kind of a spotlight on the China-Russia bond. What do you make of that? Um, it's deepened in uh, considerably in recent years, um, echoing that a close relationship at the dawn of the Cold War. Your thoughts on Putin's visit, the relationship between Russia and China and how we might interpret all of that.
3: Well, they're enemies. I mean, they're 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 not allies. They'll never be formal allies. And one reason is that that uh, Ch- Russia is sitting on a lot of what was once Chinese territory, and China wants it back. It wants the Russian Far East back. It wants part of Siberia back. Uh, and it hasn't forgotten that Central Asia, which was under uh, Soviet rule for many many decades, also belonged to it in part. So uh, they have they have an ongoing border, border dispute. Uh, economically, they're partners because Russia has a lot, of material, a lot of raw materials, and China's industrial machine needs those raw materials. In fact, you know China's view of the world of the future is that it is the factory floor of the world. It makes everything. It's all the heavy and light industry within its borders, and the rest of the world does what? The United States, Russia, the rest of the world provides food for China's workforce, provides raw materials to feed China's industrial machine, and then the rest of the world serves as passive passive consumers of Chinese products. That's one of the depictions of the world that China wants to create now i i don't I don't know what Vladimir Putin's immediate intentions are with regard to Ukraine. I think he would like to reassemble uh, you know the the Russian empire in the same way that uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party would like to reassemble the Chinese empire. He would like Belarus back he would like ukraine back. But there are 40 million Ukrainians, and they're willing to fight to preserve their freedom. So I don't think his six to ten divisions, which are very, very publicly uh, and dramatically lined up outside Ukrainian borders, are actually going to move in. Uh, that's far too small an invading force to take on a country the size of, of um, the Ukraine that uh, that is willing to defend its borders. And you've got the same situation with regard to Taiwan. You've got 24 million people in Taiwan. Who 80% of whom say they will take up arms and fight if the People's Liberation Army invades across the Taiwan Straits. So I think we need to arm these people. I think we need to encourage them to fight for freedom. And, uh, and if push comes to shove, uh, I don't think that, that Putin will move. And I don't think as long as we stay strong and Taiwan stays strong, that China will move against Taiwan.
2: I hope you're right. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. Again, we'll continue my conversation with Stephen Mosier, author of Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. It's been updated, published by Regnery. Must read if you want to understand what's going on in the world. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, talking with Stephen Mosier, author of Bully of Asia, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. It's been updated. Uh, published by Regnery and currently available in paperback. He's also the author of many other books on the subject of China. He's the president of the Population Research Institute and a leading authority on China. FBI Director Christopher Wray said recently, the threat coming from the Chinese Communist Party is more brazen and more damaging than ever before, with U.S. counterintelligence operations opening every 12 hours. There's just no country that presents a broader threat to our ideas, innovation and economic security than China. China. Uh, he was speaking from the Ronald Reagan uh, Presidential Library, and he went on to say the Chinese government steals staggering volumes of information and cause deep job-destroying damage across a wide range of uh, industries. Um, is Are our leaders responding appropriately? Or do they understand the depth and breadth of the problem China poses uh, currently under the uh, administration we're now facing and those of his uh, his cabinet and Congress, for that matter?
3: No, I don't think they do, and, and I remember back in 1998, I had worked with Christopher Cox on the Cox Commission, where we identified 8,000 different front organizations set up by the Chinese Communist Party in the United States in in, in the mid-1990s. That was 25 years mm-hmm. ago. Are there 80,000 now? I don't know, but the number is surely huge. I was going from FBI station to FBI station in 2000, giving lectures on China's uh, drive for hegemony, uh, China's drive to dominate the world, and Chinese espionage went to New York City, and and other places. Went to the FBI Academy down in Quantico, and then 9/11 happened, and everything came to a halt. All of the FBI's resources were thrown into what? Were thrown into to to counter terrorist activities, at the same. Time- <laughs> We should have been paying attention to China. We took our eye off the ball, and now we're taking our eye off the ball again because the FBI is devoting a lot of resources not to, uh, you know, counterintelligence efforts against the Chinese threat. They're devoting a lot of uh, resources to uh, rounding up people who happen to be standing on Capitol grounds on January 6th. I think that's a misallocation of resources. Uh, We need to pour a lot more money and a lot more human resources into tracking what China is doing, with the idea that we should ultimately disengage from China. We need to decouple our economy from China because China uses the economic relations between China and the United States to control us, to dominate us, and to demand that we do what they want us to do. Uh, they're very good at economic warfare, Georgine. They, they're a lot, they launched an economic war against Australia last year, when the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said, we need to get to the bottom of where the COVID virus came from, China banned almost instantly 16 different classes of Australian products from being sold in China, or they raised the tariffs so high that they were, couldn't be uh, put on the shelves and sold anyway. They did that because they wanted to bring Australia to its knees. Australia has not buckled. Australia continues to demand accountability and, and and I believe we should be demanding reparations from China for unleashing a dangerous virus on the world. But that's the kind of game that the CCP plays. It engages in economic warfare. So we need to move our factories, our supply chains uh, to countries that respect our values and institutions. Or better yet, let's move them back to the United States. Let's make things here on these shores.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the, the problems that China is facing. One article I read recently, Jonathan Chang uh, wrote, uh, points out that local governments in China have long been weighed down by debt and he goes into some detail about how the central government imposes uh, requirements on the local governments and they're really straining under that, that pressure, borrowing lots of money. How stable is the Chinese economy and is there a possibility that it could collapse under its own weight given the promises the, the, um, uh, Chinese Communist Party is making to the people? and uh, the the burden being placed on local governments within the, the country.
3: Yeah, the, the Chinese economy might collapse of its own weight. We should certainly be doing everything we can to hasten its collapse, as we did vis-a-vis the Soviet Union in the 1980s. And uh, what we have in China is huge debt, and a lot of that debt is off the books. And we're talking about debt uh, three times, four times the annual GDP that has been run up by local corrupt officials who... Well, among the things they do, they steal land from villagers, and, and then they go into business with a local uh, construction company. They borrow money from a local bank, which is also in on the scam, and they build a, a 20 story high apartment building, which stands empty forever because the villagers who have been, had their land and their houses destroyed, have no wherewithal, no money to buy the empty apartment buildings. But, of course, the bank manager and the local Communist Party official and the local construction company official, who are all probably related in some degree, they all become wealthy, while the peasants become poor because their land has been stolen from them and their homes destroyed. That's happened again and again throughout China. There are 70 million empty apartment buildings in China. There are huge amounts of commercial office space standing empty. Uh, It's been built. The officials in charge made a lot of money. Ran up lots of local government debt, and uh, guess what? There's no no economic activity to justify that. Nobody bothered to look at the market. Nobody bothered to see if there were any buyers for these apartment buildings or uh, or office complexes. So that's that's one problem in China. The other problem in China is is the aging and dying of the mm-hmm. population, because uh, China has eliminated 400 million people from its population by the one-child policy. They were, for 35 years, arresting young women for the crime of being pregnant and aborting them and sterilizing them. They're missing half of the last two generations. The population of China is aging very rapidly, filling more coffins than cradles each year. You know, America grew rich before it began to grow old. China is growing old while still a relatively poor country. And, And I think it will never become a wealthy country because they've killed off the ultimate resource. I mean, the one the one resource you cannot do without, it's the human being. Uh, they've killed off 400 million of the most productive, enterprising, intelligent people on the planet. And uh, now they're desperate to raise the birth rate among the Han Chinese. They've told uh, Han Chinese women and men, they're now free to have three children. Hmm. They Don't stop at one. The party says don't stop at one. You can have not just two, but three children. And the whole country's yawning. The birth rate hasn't gone up. It continues to go down because they've had 40 years of anti-people, anti-natal, anti-baby propaganda. Young people in China don't want to have children. A lot of them don't even want to get married. So uh, China has a, a problem with the dying population. It has a problem with, with excessive government debt. And if we put tariffs on Chinese goods, uh, if we encourage American companies to leave China and produce their goods elsewhere, um, we could, we could uh, quickly, I think, bring bring China to its knees.
2: Mm. What about China and Taiwan? Some are predicting that this would be the year that they might um, uh, try to reconnect with uh, with Taiwan uh, militarily. Your thoughts on how likely that is? And uh, I guess my final question would be: Will America be brought to her knees? Given what you've what you've uh, said, suggested, uh, it's possible to put an end to the the um, dominance of china do we have the will to do that
3: well that's the question i don't think the political will exists in, in washington today because the current occupant of the white house has been and his family have been terribly compromised but well, it's not just him of course it's uh, nancy pelosi it's it's uh, many many uh, leading figures in politics on both sides of the aisle have been corrupted by chinese money so it really is a question of a political will uh, if we had um he adopted the policy of uh, President Reagan that he adopted towards the Soviet Union in the 1980s of denying capital to China, of denying science and technology to China while remaining strong economically and militarily. We need to adopt the same policy towards China that brought the Soviet Union to its knees. Now, denying capital is going to upset people on Wall Street uh, who've been making a lot of money by by uh, raising money for the. Chinese Communist Party's industrial machine, but we began in in up until 2020. Uh, we were thinking about delisting Chinese companies from U.S. stock exchanges. That would be a good thing to do. We're trying to stop the theft of science and technology, but uh, the the Chinese Communist Party is a lot better at it than the old Russian uh, espionage mm-hmm. agencies were. Uh, so, but if we do those things, and if we move our our factories, our, our, our production lines offshore to some other places, um, we can we can win this. Japan is doing it. Japan is moving their factories out of China. They're paying their factories to leave China and not just to come back to Japan. They can move anywhere. Just leave China, Tokyo says. We ought to be doing the same thing. Mm.
2: Well, we need to think about that when the next election uh, comes up um, and make sure that those people who are seeking our support are aware of the threat and are willing to do the make the hard decisions to avoid what could be um, investing in our own collapse. Well, Stephen Mosier, it's always a pleasure to, uh, to talk with you. I appreciate uh, your writing, your research, your insight, and would encourage our listeners to pick up the updated version of Bully of Asia, now available in paperback, Why China's Dream is the New Threat to World Order. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today.
3: Uh, great discussion, Georgine.
2: Really appreciate it. Again, Stephen Mosier, author of Bully of Asia. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to wrap things up.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. Just a reminder all things being. Well, as planned, Mark Paoletta will join us. He's the co-author of Created Equal. It's the book version of Clarence Thomas in his own words. It contains a lot of information that the documentary did not. So we'll talk with him about that. And it will be particularly interesting given the fact that uh, the the justice is the uh, subject of much attention of late. So that's coming up tomorrow on the program. Well, a prominent Christian persecution advocacy organization, Voice of the Martyrs, honored the legacy and sacrifice of an American missionary, John Chow. He lost his life while taking the gospel to a remote island in the Indian Ocean back in 2018. Well, today, Voice of the Martyrs, it's a nonprofit interdenominational missions organization serving persecuted Christians around the world, added his name to the 60-foot-long Granite Martyrs Memorial at the ministry headquarters in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Chow was just 26 years old when he was killed. It was November 17th, 2018. He was on a mission to North Sentinel Island in the Andaman Islands, located in the Bay of Bengal, about 600 miles from the mainland, India. He was a graduate of Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. He was killed by an indigenous tribe that lives in isolation from the rest of the world there. On the 29th of June, it will mark the day of the Christian martyr and the anniversary of the Apostle Paul's beheading in Rome. Now, Throughout church history, Christians worldwide have commemorated the lives of countless believers who have given their lives for Christ. With the help of a fishing boat, Chow first made contact with the Sentinelese people, considered by many to be the most isolated tribe on the planet. November 15th, 2018, according to Voice of the Martyrs. Later that day, a Sentinelese uh, boy shot an arrow at Chow that lodged in the Bible he was holding. In his journal that evening, he wrote, God, I don't want to die. Who will take my place if I do forgive the boy who shot me and any of the people on this island who try to kill me and especially forgive them if they succeed? On the morning of November 17th, the fishermen who dropped Chow off on the island saw tribesmen burying his body. On that very beach, Indian authorities called his efforts to evangelize the unreached uh, tribe a misplaced adventure in a highly restricted area. His death, which received international media attention, inspired much scrutiny of mission organizations trying to reach unreached and uncontacted tribes. But Todd Nettleton, the host of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, told The Christian Post that a closer look at Chow's life and death reveal his Christ-like compassion extensive training and preparation, and clear-headed conviction of his calling to the Sentinelese people. We as the Church should recognize those who follow Christ's call to go into all the world regardless of the cost, and John Chow is certainly an outstanding example of just that. Far from being an impulsive adventurer, Nettleton said that Chow first felt God's calling on his life after returning from his first mission trip as a teenager— Nettleton said Chow spent time praying and preparing to go wherever God would call him, researching different people groups until he came across information online about the Sentinelese people. Every single decision he made was with an eye toward going to North Sentinel Island, meeting those people, learning their language, being able to share Christ with them. Well, nine years before his trip, he said that Chow began preparing physically and spiritually for his journey. Throughout college at Oral Roberts University, he took cold showers to prepare for life on the island, knowing that he would be without hot water. He underwent laser eye surgery so that he wouldn't have to worry about contact lenses or glasses. Nettleton said that Chow also went through a training process with a Kansas City-based missions organization, All Nations, under its church planting experience program for future missionaries. Chow took a linguistics training course sponsored by Wycliffe to pick up the Sentinelese language quickly. He earned a certification as a wilderness EMT with the idea of bringing medical assistance to the isolated island people. Dr. Mary Ho, the international executive leader of All Nations International, called Chow, one of the most prepared missionaries she had ever met, according to Nettleton, despite how he was characterized by the mainstream media. After Chow's death in 2018, Nettleton claimed that there was a lot of misinformation floating around about the circumstances surrounding his death. And while some of that may have been Chow's own design to protect anyone who might go after him, Nettleton added so much of the misinformation about John was the lack of preparation, like he woke up one morning and just decided to go north to Sentinel Island. That is so far from the truth. While Chow believed in God's calling on his life, he wasn't shy about expressing doubt about sharing the gospel with hostile and unpredictable people groups. In a video Chow made a for a church supporting his mission, Nettleton said Chow was wondering whether he was truly called to the island after his first scouting trip to the area. As he took off his Port Blair, or, or took off from Port Blair, leaving to come back to the U.S., Nettleton said Chow glanced out of the Airplane window and saw the side of an island he instantly recognized from photos he had on the wall of his college dorm. Chow knew the island by name and knew where he was headed. He said in that moment, it was like God just completely confirmed. You're the one I want. You're the one I'm calling. That's the place I'm calling you to. I want you to go there. Well, in his journal the night before he went to shore for what would be his final time, Chow also expressed doubt. I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to Him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. He understood the value of the gospel. He understood the eternal significance of sharing Christ with the Sentinelese people, and he considered losing his life a fair trade. Chow's father, Patrick Chow, said that he didn't support his son's missionary zeal. While both graduated from charismatic evangelical Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma Patrick Chow said he no longer considers himself a Christian, but rather a follower of the Chinese philosopher Confucius. John is gone because the Western ideology overpowered my Confucian uh, influence. Chow said, quoting uh, from his own writings added that evangelical extreme Christianity was to blame for his son's life coming to not an unexpected end. Well, it has become a deeply meaningful tradition to observe the Day of the Christian Martyr every year at the Voice of the Martyrs on June the 29th, and to celebrate the legacy of those who have sacrificed their lives for the advancement of the gospel. This year, the Voice of the Martyrs will honor 2022 inductee John Chow, who sacrificed his life while ministering to the Sentinelese people in the Adaman Islands. They've created a video you can find on their website that tells you more of his story. He was ridiculed by the mainstream Uh, in his efforts, but for believers who want to better understand him and to consider whether or not they would be prepared to give their all, perhaps not on an isolated island, but in their own neighborhood, in their workplace. It's a good uh, reminder of the call that each of us has on our lives today. Well, we are out of time. I want to remind you that uh, tomorrow we plan to talk with Mark Paoletta, co-author of Created Equal. Clarence Thomas in his own words, not the documentary, but a new book just recently released. Want to thank James Blind for producing, Sam Maupin for engineering, and thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night.
1: Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show Podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at KPDQ.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at GRice Show. And like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for Critical Times on 93.9 KPDQ